S in Hell, a look back at Saturday Night Live with your hosts, Matt and Keith. Brought to you by Lion's Den Audio Theater. Like and subscribe to Lion's Den Audio Theater for more Lion's Den goodness. And here are your hosts, Keith and Matt. Saturday Night Live, or as it was known at the time, NBC's Saturday Night, episode 14, with host Desi Arnaz, originally aired on February 21st, 1976. And this week again, it's uh, it's Keith and Matt, and we're doing a re-record of one of our lost episodes. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing good. Beautiful day in the city. Great to be back on Saturday night. Oh, gosh. what it's uh, We're recording in October. It's so warm for October. We're getting that Acapulco gold sunshine. I love <laughs> That Acapulco gold sunshine. Desi Arnaz. I'm going to talk a bit about Desi. Uh, Desi Arnaz was born in Santiago, Cuba in 1917. His father was a wealthy man and was the city's mayor. But they lost everything during Batista's revolution and they fled to Florida. Their young Arnaz eventually became a band leader. He was cast in a Broadway show, Too Many Girls, and he did the movie. And it was during this that he met Lucille Ball and they formed a partnership. Desi made his mark musically via the popular trend at the time of Cuban music. And then he went on to co-produce and co-star in a well-known sitcom called I Love Lucy, which is undoubtedly one of the most popular sitcoms in television history. I like how you said well-known. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The Art House sitcom. Desi, as Ricky Ricardo, was cemented in the public consciousness for generations to come. Desi Arnaz's real impact on television, though, was not as Lucille Ball's on-screen husband or even as her off-screen husband. He had no background in business, and he used this and what was seen as uh, weaknesses to absolute brilliance. Um, Higher-ups at the networks and stuff sort of saw him as this uh, semi-English-speaking Cuban bongo player, but he used that and uh, questioned why things were done a certain way. So he'd present an idea, and when the executives say, no, that's not how we do it, Desi Arnaz would then go off and do it. Um, His contributions to the way television is done are enormous. Um, A few things that he's credited with inventing uh, in in the realm of television and sitcoms um, is the three-camera setup for filming shows. They still do that. The warm-up act, still doing that. Filming before a live studio audience, still doing that. Using film at all rather than kinetoscope. Placing sets side-by-side in a studio. Basic syndication. And most, the thing that has the most impact on our lives is uh, the rerun. There were no reruns before 1951 when Desi Arnaz said, let's try to uh, replay these episodes later. In the case of film, networks didn't want to spend the money. So he got permission to use film rather than kinetoscope if he fronted the cost and he would front the cost. But he would get to keep the negatives, develop footage, and the rights to said footage. The higher-ups thought they found a sucker, and uh, Desi laughed all the way to the bank. He and Lucy formed a production company called Desi Lou, and some of the other shows that were done beyond uh, I Love Lucy were The Untouchables, Mannix, Mission Impossible, and the little show that nobody wanted called Star Trek. Now, some of these were done after uh, Lucy bought Desi out, um, after they divorced in 1960, but the pair remained great friends for the rest of their lives. So what's going on with Desi Arnaz in 1976? He had uh, retreated from doing anything regularly, semi-retirement. He was kind of set for life and performed and worked when he wanted. This uh, episode was released as he was promoting his new 
autobiography called A Book, and it is available on Audible. And I think I'm going to put a link uh, to uh, a copy of this book if anybody's interested. At this point, uh, Desi Arnaz is just a little bit under 60, but he's set for life. I, I want the Audible version of his book that he reads. I sadly don't know if he reads it. I'm sure he does. He's been deceased for too long. But uh, can you imagine listening to him read his own book? That's, <laughs> I'd, I'd pay two credits. For sure, yeah. yeah. I'd almost use cash and be that interested. And uh, also tonight joining us, kind of the musical guest, is Desi Arnaz Jr. He was born in 1953, one of the first babies born to like a uber-famous celebrity television couple. He uh, followed his parents into uh, into entertainment as a musician and an actor. He had some acclaim, especially as a musician. But he, he's the son of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, and those are tough shadows to uh, ever step out of. And to be honest, uh, I'm not sure if he really ever wanted to. Certainly a talented musician. Yeah, look, I don't know him. We don't text. But uh, I, when I when I look at him, I, he just he has such a friendly face. He looks like a nice guy. I don't know anything about him, but to look at him, I'm like, oh, what a nice guy. What a nice young man. Yes. That's the vibe, his vibe for me. Um, I'm really excited about this. As as some of you know, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, Jesus, we're doing a podcast. I'm obviously a, a TV history not. Um, and, uh, and Desi is a, um, a legend. I said in the teaser from the last episode, he's legend with a capital L. Um, just really excited to go through this one. I had no idea that he pioneered the three camera setup. That's really cool. I think he just went in there and said, why is everything being done this way when we can do it this way? And uh, and now we all do it that way and shake our heads at how it ever was ever done any differently. Take It takes it takes a kind of person to be able to pull that off. I mean, I think you can see it in this episode. He's what a charismatic fella. Like when he lists when he speaks, you listen. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, a lot of these are credited to Lucy and Desi. And it's possible that she certainly had uh, a lot to do with it. You're but, absolutely uh, right. I shouldn't have. Uh, I shouldn't have just given him all the credit. No, but she to both of them. She gives him all the credit. She oh. says she doesn't. She didn't do any of that. You know. So, but he uh, was know. gone when Star Trek came. That would have been after the divorce. Yeah, he was out uh, the picture by that point. So, getting on with the show here. Uh, cold opening. It's Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford visiting a psychiatrist uh, played by Dan Aykroyd. There's just a lot of uh, slapsticky fun and uh, and physical comedy, uh, playing with bits about laying down. Uh, Chevy lays on the floor, then he lays awkwardly on the couch. This had a real old-timey Marx Brothers, Three Stooges kind of feel to it. And then Chevy bursts through the wall and does a live from New York. I don't, and I don't think it's just because it's topical. I mean, we haven't even watched this in a while, and I'm still sick of his Ford impression. It might be time to put Ford to bed for a bit, yeah. He loses the election, right? Well, he doesn't wait. What, what, uh, you know what? Let's, let's, we, they'll, they'll tell us and we end up late. Yes. Let's not spoil, spoil. the presidential election from the set. <laughs> so then we have the, uh, Desi Arnaz monologue. He gets a huge crowd ovation. And his, uh, basic bit there is that he's really enjoying working with these young kids. And I think he calls them the not, not ready for prime time yet. Yeah, not ready for prime time yet. <laughs> They gave him some cigars called Acapulco Gold, which uh, he loves. They're obviously weed. Um, stop smoking them. And he talks about passing it around and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. This is quick. It's charming. You, like you said earlier, it's ridiculously charismatic. And I think this is the best of what uh, Desi Arnaz can do at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm coming into this for the record. Uh, I 
have seen maybe one episode of I Love Lucy ever, and I didn't even watch it all. Uh, so I really don't know Desi Arnaz well, except for what I've read about him. Uh, because like you, I, d- I just like to read the history sometimes of things like television and sitcoms and such. Uh, so of course I was familiar with him and I knew quote unquote his act, but uh, but I never really watched that program. So I, I, I come into this all pretty ignorant of him. I mean, my first impression is, wow, to see him walk out smoking a cigar on a small stage was like, mm. uh, imagine how that guy smells. Uh, that, <laughs> you, you smell that two studios up. I'm sure. And he was a heavy uh, cigar smoker. So then we go to a commercial with Garrett Morris as uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter. It's a parody of the American Express ad uh, commercials that were going on at the time uh, where you can basically use your card as identification wherever you go. Carter, of course, was incarcerated for life at that point in time. And we we actually saw a serious bit with Morris's uh, Reuben Carter a couple weeks before. This, to me, was absolutely hilarious. I, I thought it was funny as hell. I mean, it's a very serious context, but uh, but my goodness... Everyone knew who Hurricane Carter was, and he was locked up and wasn't going anywhere at that point in time. So I got a good laugh out of this. The crowd really popped for it. They were into it, if I may Mm -hmm. use the term popped for it. I I noticed I was watching it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a hurricane, but it's good. And then, you know, the, uh, the crowd energy really brought me into it to be honest. Yeah. So uh, next bit, uh, Chevy Chase and Jane Curtin are in bed together. It's uh, his birthday, but sadly he couldn't get the uh, little Chevy to salute. Uh, Jane says she's fine with it. Um, She just wasn't fine with him sort of mauling her and uh, taking her to bed. Her plan was to invite some people over. All of a sudden, there's all these uh, people there for a surprise party, and Chevy's character is quite embarrassed. This was not great. This was kind of silly to me. Um, I'm wondering, like, do Chevy and Jane have bad chemistry, or is this just bad stuff but this is the second episode in a row where they played a couple and it's just something i'm i'm not i'm not jiving with it must be i mean i mean i can't think of anything else it would be and i mean not that i think in this particular situation that replacing the actors would have had a very dramatic effect this is a pretty shitty sketch but but you're right about those two they just they don't i don't know i don't like looking at them together this premise is done really well in a early 90s short film called Bob's Birthday. Um, later went on to spawn Bob and Margaret, a cartoon that was or like nothing like the movie. Um, we're nine minutes in and we're on our fourth segment. This is really clipping along well. And our fourth segment is uh, Lorraine Newman as Luciana Vermicelli sitting in a coffin. She was an ugly child and a hideous teenager. She's selling a beauty regime book about how she uh, basically drinks the blood of children and replaces her bones with those of cheerleader. And she does it all with a uh, Egyptian priest. Sadly, the priest seems to be missing and that's the end of Luciana Vermicelli. This was not overly funny, but uh, it was a good performance by Newman. I agree completely. It wasn't full of jokes or anything, but I I certainly enjoyed it. One of my favorite movies is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. And this looks like a scene out of Bram Stoker's Dracula with the brides and the the coming to life and the long white dresses. Uh, So I'm getting a lot of secondhand enjoyment from this. Damn, she was a great bride. And as you pointed out, she was a horror fan. Yes. You know, so this must, so. Have been a, must have been a lot of fun for her. So next up is a the literary recital. Dan Aykroyd uh, hosts. He does a really good job as a bookish host. And his guest is, uh, not his guest, but he, he presents Desi Arnaz, who is reading Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky. This, to me, was really, really funny. It didn't even seem rehearsed. Just hearing Desi with his, his thick accent reading the uh, gibberish that is... Uh, in Jabberwocky or Yabberwocky. Um, Beware the yub-yub bird and shun. Uh, A lot of fun. And then they 
say next week it's going to be Chaucer's Canterbury Tales being read by Charo. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I really like Desi's eyes when he's doing this are incredible. The, what, these are some of the most expressive eyes I've ever seen when those eyebrows shoot up and he's going through this. I didn't, when I first watched this originally, I'm not familiar with the source material. I was like, okay, I get it. He has a funny accent, but he, he really did well. Like he performed it very well. And I got, I appreciated that more this time. The next bit is uh, Chevy Chase as Barry White. And it's a Barry White tribute. But instead of saying things that Barry White would say, it's very waspy stuff like tennis clubs and the like. Yeah, this was long. It wasn't overly funny. And I think this is the point where I finally said, uh, let's start pulling Chevy back and giving other people stuff to do. Yeah, there's no need of this. The sweat too. Speaking of very white, there's something very white going on with Chevy Chase here. This man is dripping and I don't, and you know, somebody, well, maybe that's, you know, he's just doing the, the very white thing. No, that man is sweating. I've read the book. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't funny. And I think Chevy is high as a kite. <laughs> So, I mean, you've been supporter of Chevy, uh, more so than myself, and he has definitely showed stardom. But are we reaching a point where it's it's feeling to you like it's the Chevy Chase show and Chevy does whatever he wants and whatever he doesn't want to do, he might throw to someone else? Is that the feeling you're at right now? Yes, I, I would agree with that. And I would cite a, uh, a couple of things that can't, like I said on a previous episode, excuse me, a conversation he had with Garrett Morris in the hallway. Like, hey, you're not really in the show that much tonight. And Garrett's like, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. That just that had to have happened at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Chevy has had that conversation in his life. I guarantee it. And like he, he knows it. And, and I think what we will later learn of Chevy being like a very uh, a big and abrasive personality. Uh, so I, I have no doubt that he was throwing his will around. And but you know what? The show's a hit. And mm-hmm. and he is the star. So at the same time, you got to look at the people behind the show and say, yeah, who gives a shit what he's like? This show is a hit. This guy is our star. Yeah. Uh, so you naturally want to run with it. But eventually we come to a point like this where perhaps compromise is necessary because for a couple of episodes now, Chevy's been in some some sketches that just don't work for him mm-hmm. personally. Uh, Weekend Update hasn't suffered at all because it suits him. But mm-hmm. he's in stuff that he shouldn't be in probably because they just want him in shit. Even though somebody else would be better, it's, no, no, you got to put Chevy in it. Yeah, you got to put Chevy in it. Yeah, yeah, I know Dan Aykroyd would be better. But, you know, you got to put Chevy in this one. And because, you know, it's on third or or whatever the hell excuse they might have. Uh, That's a a rambling answer to say I agree with your synopsis. It's getting to be a bit much. Our next bit is the I Love Lucy Rejected Pilots. Desi Arnaz comes out uh, as himself and uh, talks about how there were uh, other versions of I Love Lucy before they went with uh, I Love Lucy. And uh, they found the footage and they're going to show some of these uh, early pilots. So the first one is called I Saw Lucy. And uh, throughout these, Desi Jr. plays his father. So this one is just basically Desi Jr. looks out the uh, window and sees Lucy. Lucy never sees him. And the audience never gets to see Lucy on episodes <laughs> of I Saw Lucy. And that was a uh, that was a problem. I, I laughed at this one. Me too. Des- Desi's good. Uh, uh, Desi Jr., I'm sorry, I should say. Uh, he's, uh, I- I'm like, I like him in these little bits. Yeah. I'm noticing in this, he doesn't use his father's accent. Um, 
which is a big part of uh, the character. But we'll t- I'll t- actually talk a bit more about that in a minute. The second one was I Loathe Lucy with uh, Gilda Radner as a very good Lucille Ball. Fortunately, she appears as Lucy throughout most of the episode. He's rude to her. He he beats her up. He throws her around. He makes her stay home. Won't let her go to the club. And that's I Loathe Lucy. Like he throws a scotch in her face at one point. Desi says the wear and tear on Lucy was rough. Um <laughs> I, I know uh, I know D was not a fan of this because of the abuse, but uh, I also thought uh, taking the context of, of who 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 they were doing and, and, and what the premise of the joke was, I, I thought it was quite funny. So we were at odds there. Yeah, I, uh, I agree completely about Gilda. I thought she was a great uh, Lucy. And I was thinking about what you were saying about I Love Lucy. I mean, it's obviously... I mean, we're doing this. This is February 1976. Am I, is that ish? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I still think even then that they're just looking back at the stereotypes of the 50s and having fun with them. I really don't think this is mean-spirited at all. And especially with, you know, uh, two men that love her, they would never, uh, they would never cross that line, especially with one of the most powerful men in the television business, Mm -hmm. uh, historically, at least, I guess maybe, you know, by 76, I'm not sure he's calling any shots, but you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So yeah, I, I don't think there was a mean spirited bit about this. Uh, I, I thought it was spinning the fifties in the seventies with loved ones. I mean, this is really, a, you know, if you don't do it this way, how do you do it? The next one was, I love Louie <laughs> with Garrett <laughs> Morris as Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Unfortunately, he, uh, it's a good idea, but uh, Louis Armstrong belonged to another studio and uh, they couldn't get him for all the episodes. So they had to pass <laughs> on that one. Um, Garrett Morris's uh, Louis Armstrong was hilarious. Mm-hmm. He really hammed it up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. This is my, this was my favorite of these. The next up was uh, I Love Asparagus. <laughs> it was a plate of asparagus sitting in for Lucy, and Ricky was talking to the asparagus until he ate it. This is the point where I started to think that this was probably written by Michael O'Donohue. Desi says that the uh, asparagus w- was a good idea, but all the vegetables would wilt under the hot light. <laughs> So they had to go for a different idea. Oh my god! Yeah, th- this was a good one too. Uh, I, while I might have preferred the Louis one, when Desi Junior was just yelling at the asparagus, I thought <laughs> this was perfect. It was, you know, it was. It's the kind of like absurdist humor I, I expect to see on like the Family Guy. It, yeah, it was exactly. really different. I loved it. The next one was I Love Desi, <laughs> featuring uh, Desi Junior and uh, as Ricky and uh, Tom Schiller, uh, Saturday Night Live writer Tom Schiller, also as Ricky, and they're uh, they're just basically having. A conversation about uh what's going on at the club that night no this is the one where uh caesar romero i think is coming over and uh one of the desis made uh actually brought a moose in to make some chocolate moose um <laughs> tom schiller's impression of uh of uh ricky ricardo or desi arnaz is actually better than desi juniors uh, he goes all out and does the accent and the voice and even the laugh i think at one point this one i, I thought this one was hilarious I like. I mean, I like them all. It's built. It's built well. Yeah, uh, I agree. This was a, a perfect use of the host. Great, great material. All the jokes were there. Yeah, I mean, it was just a home run. I, I, I you know, spoiler alert. I just like this episode mm-hmm. outside of that surprise sketch. Yeah, this, this, this is one of my one of my contenders of the night. I really yeah. enjoyed it. 
And Desi uh, then also mentions a couple of other ideas ahead. I love loose change, and I think I love gas turbine engines, but <laughs> no idea worked except uh, I love Lucy. And he finishes the segment in something that I, it's actually a joke I didn't get, but uh, but, but you pointed out what, what the joke this was. This is my favorite part of the episode. I will tell you right now, I'll tell you at the end of the show. This yeah. is my favorite part of the episode. It gets no laughs. Mm-hmm. Nobody laughs because I think everybody's a little heartbroken. Yeah. So he, he he says he wants to bring out someone really special. And uh, the audience uh, gasps, waiting for uh, Lucy herself. But he brings up Willie Day, the prop master of the first four seasons of Saturday Night Live. Brilliant. Just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And he, he has such a mischievous look on his face. He knows. And I think for the audience at the time, the, like the live audience, it was just, it was too real. They were like, yeah. ow dude that was that was too harsh but shit i yeah i thought it was it was was the highlight of the episode and the first time around i mean i watched this three times i think and i did not get that joke i did not understand what was going on next segment weekend update uh chevy chase filling in for his uh sister rita who's on vacation uh and who she was filling in for Chevy Chase. And the introduction is, I'm Chevy Chase, and you are merely a statistic, which was really funny. I think we should also mention that once again, we've led with a blowjob joke. Yes, that's right. Broad strokes of some of the uh, some of the jokes here. A few jokes about the uh, the Democratic presidential primaries that are coming up. And it's funny, uh, this is something you and I talked about briefly, Matt, but it's funny how little Jimmy Carter is a uh, issue here. I mean, he goes on to win the uh, primary, and he's not even one of the names that comes up much. He's a sleeper. Also mentions that uh, Ali, Muhammad Ali, has been accused at this point of fighting sort of punching bag opponents. And uh, he denies this and then announces that he'll be fighting Helen Hayes, an elderly actor at the time. Was this legitimate uh, criticism of Muhammad Ali? I don't watch boxing. Yeah, it was. Uh, Ali was coming towards the end of his his run as champion. He was kind of being put in there with, uh, for the most part, less than fighters. Yeah, Jobbers. Then we have a re-airing of another commercial I really enjoyed. It was the uh, Speed commercial from a previous episode with Ann Beats as a uh, mother with uh, uh, two jobs. And just uh, her delivery was brilliant on that one. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the sketch. I could have used more of her around. I mean, I know she's just a writer and I'm mm-hmm. sure there was a hierarchy and whatever. But uh, I thought she would she did really well. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was tremendous. Like uh, when I do see her do things, I forget that. I mean, I don't know what her acting background is, but... Uh, She's in there as a writer. Uh, and then we go back to Weekend Update. They banned pay toilets in Iowa. And uh, and Iowans have been waiting for five years. They were relieved and celebrated the only way they knew how. <laughs> and then there's a short clip of an old Betty Boop cartoon, which is demonstrating the uh, the goings-on at the Patty Hearst trial. It's a quick, uneventful Weekend Update. Yeah, and, and I was fine with that, considering that, there's this, that they got a lot to get to. Don't get me wrong, I, I really think... Something ahead should be cut short, but I, I don't think we needed a lot this episode. Our next segment is uh, Desi uh, Arnaz Jr. comes out and talks about uh, the different shows from Desi Lou and how his father uh, enjoyed working on them all, but never got to appear on Untouchables until now. So there's now an episode of, uh, it's almost an episode length uh, segment of uh, The Untouchables where Desi plays uh, Raul Nitti, a pusher of amphetamines to children. And uh, he's being followed around by Robert Stack, or sorry, Dan Aykroyd, doing his impression of uh, Robert Stack's Elliot Ness. Nitty calls home and asks his wife Lucy to bring his gun, but tells her to remember not to bring the one with the blanks. Um, she shows up at the warehouse with the gun and a violin case. 
It's Gilda again as uh, Lucy. The police raid the place, and uh, it's the gun with the blanks. There's no bullets. And, uh, yeah, so the uh, Lucy is upset, and there's a bit of a shootout, and uh, Lucy dies. And they then find Walter Winchell, who has been narrating the whole thing, played by George Coe, hiding behind the hiding behind some boxes. This was long. It was all over the place. I think they used five different sets. Aykroyd's stack impression was great. George Coe's Walter Winchell impression was great. But uh, this was a real mess, I thought. Yeah, you'll recall perhaps me mentioning that uh, there's something, when I we were talking about Weekend Update, I said there's something ahead that I sh- think shouldn't be so long. It was, of course, this. Yeah. I really liked Dan Aykroyd, and I really liked Gilda Radner's crying lucy that that it still made me laugh even though i was bored of the sketch and i wanted it to end gilda's a light you know i like untouchables and uh and and it was well done in that sense but i don't know just too many uh too many too many sets too much jumping all over the place the best part for me is they used one of the regular kitchen sets and it's just kind of a throwaway thing uh, somebody says what what's the deal with this kitchen and and one of the other guys goes oh it's called the kitchen from the future because it was all <laughs> the kitchen of the future. It was all 70s decorated. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a low point of the episode for me, for sure. Agreed. Um, so uh, then we go to, uh, it's another uh, Lucy sketch, kind of. Um, it's uh, Gilda Radner and uh, Jane Curtin, our Lucy Ricardo, and uh, the best friend, neighbor, uh, Ethel Mertz. Like in many episodes of the sitcom, uh, Lucy was trying to get sneak into Ricky's Tropicana Club, and she has different uh, costumes she tries. Um, it's a lot of quick changes for Gilda. So she eventually, well, she starts out dressed as a showgirl, then a mechanic, and then uh, she hides in a bass violin case. And uh, that's kind of the first bit of that, uh, the Gilda and Jane stuff which was fun a bit too much gilda as lucy on this episode but uh, she's doing a great job yeah i'm uh i I was a little this sketch didn't really work for me ultimately uh i mean it was fine but you know and again i'm not i'm familiar with i love lucy the show so jane's character is just completely lost on me but you know her running back and forth and back and forth like that's probably fun to see live her with the quick costume changes didn't do a lot for me in television retrospect senses yeah the whole thing relies on her physical comedy which she's great at but you know she's all wrapped up in these costumes she doesn't have a lot of opportunity for that either so she's just it's just Mm -hmm. her doing the voice through all these costumes the second half of the sketch for me actually is is far better it's actually taking place at the club um and it starts with virtually unrecognizable lorraine newman as a cuban singer and she introduces uh ricky who comes out and uh it's desi of course he plays he sings uh, one of his signature tunes cuban and Pete does a fantastic version of it. And then uh, Lucy and Ethel enter in a cow costume. Uh, Desi knows who it is as soon as he sees the cow. Uh, I really enjoyed the second half. Me too. Clearly the cow costume from the Dick Cavett episode. Yes. Literally the exact costume. <laughs> and yeah, unofficial musical performance number one. And gosh, I really liked it. This is my, and you know, I'm hard on the music in season one, uh, but this, uh, this, this worked for me. I loved listening to it. I'd listen to more of that. Yeah. We then go to uh, a, a guy I'd never seen before standing in front of a red curtain, and it turns out it's Gary Weiss. He introduces his next film. Now, the audience gives Weiss a huge applause, so I think they're they're tracking with us that 
uh, yes. this is some fun stuff. Speaking of fun stuff, this is uh, such a great little short film featuring uh, Taylor Mead. And Mead was a poet and an actor and a sometime collaborator with Andy Warhol, something of an underground New York icon for decades. Um, and the film is just Mead and his cat hanging out in his uh, apartment, talking about how they're friends and how they bonded. And Mead talks about finding the cat in the hall when he was a kitten and bringing him in after a while. Then he gives the cat catnip. The cat gets ripped or bombed out of his mind, as Mead says. This is so far ahead of its time this movie uh it would be a huge it would have been well it might not be but it should be a huge hit on the internet today if it came around now this is uh gary weiss is amazing at capturing people this was so friggin' entertaining absolutely a hit for me slice of life late 70s new york uh i've said several times if I had a time machine, I'm going from 75 to 81 New York and just hanging around for a while. I've, I've also begun to feel that way about early 90s Los Angeles, but that's another mm. episode. Uh, but nevertheless, one of my favorite time periods of contemporary history. And he captures the slice of life of it so well that, I mean, I'm already interested in, in the aesthetic and the, the period and to have it presented like this so whimsically and artistically love it i think we get to see taylor mead again in, a, in another short film or later and i'm looking forward to it our next segment is uh desi arnez is a doctor who does cuban acupuncture john belushi who's been having migraines comes in to see him and cuban acupuncture basically involves sticking cigars in a patient's ears and nose this sketch was flat to me i can almost see them before the show like getting ready so and that they're kind of like pitching it to Desi. Well, well, we're in this one. You just stick a bunch of cigars in Belushi, and he's like, "Oh, I love it!" And just him just enjoying the novel. And so, like, ah, okay, we guess we just go with it. That's that's my speculation, my wild speculation of how this sketch came about. And he's still smoking during it too. Gosh, the stink of the studio that night must have been something. Yeah, I'm sure that studio had a hum a lot of the time, but uh, the cigars would have been uh, would have been extra strong. And you know, Desi's not smoking that cheap shit. They're brought in from Toronto. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jevy and Lorraine are at a restaurant and they talk about their relationship. Newman thinks they don't communicate well. And then Chevy lectures her with a lot of big gibberish words, um, explaining why their relationship is no good and why it has to end. This is really good delivery by Chevy. It's such an odd selection of words. Many don't make sense. Belushi comes over and... Uh, tries to be sort of a shoulder to cry on, and then he just drops some uh, gibberish himself as well on Lorraine. Uh, yeah, good delivery in this one. Um, nice and quick, too. Yeah, I, I like when they know, okay, we, we've done our joke. Let's, let's get out. That's, uh, that's a skill to, to know mm -hmm. that and not beat something into the ground. And some people got it, some people don't. So they, they got, they, somebody knows what they're doing on the writing staff, certainly. I mean, I didn't love the whole sketch. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't laughing through it or anything. No, uh, but everybody was fine in it. I mean, like I said, I appreciate the here's our joke. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Our next bit is the bisexual history minute. Uh, Jane Curtin presents a story about Hester Catchpole who holds her husband at gunpoint and then runs away with a female dressmaker and sets up a shop or sets up a home uh, above shop. And it ends with, and that's the way it was, which actually was uh, Walter Cronkite's uh, catchphrase at the time. Curtin was great with this. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of making fun of the different sort of history minutes that were popping up during the bicentennial. Yeah, Curtin presents a, a really fun little story here. It, it was good. It, it wasn't overly funny, but uh, it was uh, good satire. 
and perfect person to do it. Jane Curtin could have had a career on PBS. She should have been a PBS personality or presenter. Talented woman. Uh, so Gilda Radner uh, talks about Desi's new book, but she cries when she realizes how much it is about her. This is really just the segue into uh, one of my favorite segments I've ever seen, probably ever on TV. Um, and it's Desi Arnaz uh, singing Baba Lou. That's his uh, signature song. He's given it for the first time in a while and probably the last time most people saw him do it. It, it actually takes up two segments of the show. He leads a conga line throughout the studio. Lauren Michaels, uh, it was, or Dave Wilson, one of them was making the camera cut to long shots because they thought Desi was going to die. He was giving it so much. Yeah, this was just, uh, this was amazing. I, I, I was so happy to see this. I mean, I'm in complete agreement. This man did this performance like it was the last time anybody was going to ever see him do it, which I'm sure was for the most part true. And he left such an impression. This was one of the most fun live performances I have ever seen on television. Absolutely counts as a musical performance. Gosh, it really blew me away. To be honest, I, I uh, his, his energy when they're running around the studio, it's clearly chaos. And Belushi is really into it. I don't know if you noticed. Him oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was in—I was literally in awe when he was just. I loved him ripping his fucking tie off mm -hmm. at the top of it while he was still going at the drum with the other hand. His son was obviously really into it. He had a big smile on his face the whole time, and uh, and I don't think that was just for television. It was. Yeah, I think for people of a certain age bracket and then those outliers uh, like you and I, mm -hmm. this has absolutely got to be a piece of television history. To me, this was the, it's funny, in a way, this was like the endorsement, the the for, the old generation, because he's, he's surrounded by cast members throughout the, the like the conga line and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is his, uh, this is his endorsement of these young up and comers. He didn't uh, have to go that hard. He no. could have played it safe he could have did his little bit that man oh my gosh he just he poured himself into that it was obvious he was sweaty he wanted to rip his shirt off mm -hmm. uh, it was visceral and some of that is showmanship like the tie coming off and looking up at the sky fighting for breath he was doing that when he was younger but it doesn't mean he wasn't given it every bit of himself you know what i mean i absolutely know what you mean i mean of course i wasn't i'm not familiar with his younger performances that's really interesting to hear but i mean you can't fake that sweat no no you can't no um and i mean he's white-haired and he, he's he's only 60 but as we talked about at another time he, he he looked far older than that he absolutely did yeah my my father looks 20 years younger than him today and he's like mm -hmm. 67. No, it was just a really nice, you know, you see the cast giving it and loving it. Cute little bit of Gilda dressed as Lucy dancing with Tom Schiller <laughs> dressed as Desi. Um, you know, the end there, he's still going at the end. Uh, Chevy's got an instrument. Garrett's yelling, hi, mom, because he knows mom's going to watch because it's Desi. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, Jane is dancing and screaming and truly see people were having fun my god this was just a just a great moment in, in television history yeah it's one of, it's my favorite few minutes of uh, saturday night live or nbc saturday night so far that we've been watching yeah. i i have never been it pumped me up yeah yeah and what a great way to end the show too 
you know, <laughs> when, when you're sitting at home at 1.30 in the morning originally, <laughs> Desi Arnaz <laughs> is pumping you up before you go to bed. Yeah, I, I wonder, I, I'd love to know how long they went after the show. I, I can't imagine as soon as the cameras cut, shut it all down. You no, know? they took that right to the after party. I'll tell you, I like, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Don Pardo fan. And when he come on at the end with his, his, his little bit, you know, that he does over the, the closing credits, I was like, shut up, Don Pardo. <laughs> this is his last major, major appearance where a lot of people would see him and legends don't get to go out this way. And, and we often think they should. He's, he's in front of an audience and he's just entertaining a lot of them, giving them every bit of it. Sun by his side, which is a nice touch, you know. It's just, it was great. Yeah, I loved the sun element. Uh, I really, uh, I mean, I know it was just incidental, but I I think it uh, brought some real sincerity to the proceedings, I think. Yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand with what I mentioned earlier about the I loathe Lucy segment. Mm-hmm. Is the, uh, but that the, these two men were involved, speaking about a woman they have nothing but love and admiration yeah. for. Um, yeah, you feel it. And they even say goodnight to her. They yell goodnight yeah. to her. You know, goodnight, Lucy. Goodnight, Mom. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, great moment. So the epilogue. This is it for uh, for Desi on the show. Um, although impressions of him will last for eternity, <laughs> they're still doing them. It, like I said, it's not his last actual appearance on TV, but uh, it's it's definitely his last big prominent one. He uh, he was in semi retirement. He taught classes in film production and acting at San Diego. He bred horses, and he was very involved in a lot of different charities and nonprofits. And uh, Desi, uh, he he passed away in 1986. And Lucy in 89. Yeah, yeah, very close to one another. Just yeah. like a married couple do. Yeah. Even though they weren't together. No, but the, there are videos of them in their, you know, I think it's Desi's, you know, declining years, you know, playing with the grandkids together. And I remember there's one where they're at a pool together. And it's just really, uh, I don't know, they, they stayed close. Desi Arnaz Jr., we don't see him either. Very good musician, maybe excellent musician. You know, half decent actor. He did well in film and TV until the early 90s, and then he kind of walked away. Uh, He runs a historical theater in Boulder City, Nevada, and he's very involved in civic affairs, nonprofit ventures, and uh, maintaining his parents' legacy. You're right, he seems like a good dude. Charming young man. So we usually go in and, and talk about our uh, our thoughts of the music, but the music is so tied in with uh, with Desi and Desi Jr. We'll have to sort of do it a little differently today. Um, so rating the host, uh, I'll just go through some notes. It's uh, Desi Arnaz was definitely past his prime as a performer, uh, flat in a lot of sketches, but gave it his all in other ones. Uh, he's really enjoyed this evening, and it was it was obvious. We don't have stars like this anymore. Uh, you know, there's people with more Emmys, people that made more money. They just don't have the the, the the cash that uh, that Desi Arnaz and and people of his ilk was there was no competition back then that's the big difference you didn't have 800 channels and 41 streaming services you had one channel and you either watched it and knew who Desi was or you didn't these uh, people like Desi and Lucy Jackie Gleason you just kind of entered the public consciousness in a way that no one had done before some of these characters people thought were actual real people who lived in a little box in your living room uh, all of that magic is gone so for him at this stage of his life uh, at this point in entertainment as well when a lot of that hokey 50 stuff was being seen as not good he came out and joined the new kids gave it his all gave his blessing to the show uh, obviously enjoyed himself loved working with the kids it seemed you know, they try this later with other comedy legends from that earlier time. And they're kind of, as I wrote here, renowned assholes like Jerry Lewis and Milton Berle. And we 
don't get the same results. Desi was all in, and uh, and the show was made better for it. This was a joy to watch, top to bottom, even the bad stuff. Agreed. Uh, Desi, he's at his best when he's doing like himself, of course. Uh, so I do feel like maybe the I probably where you felt he was a little flat is probably corresponds well with what I would think he's doing with his characters. Not quite right. I really didn't like that untouchables thing very much. I mean, I, I get why they did it. And uh, what was the other one? The Belushi cigar thing, the Cuban acupuncture. Yeah, yeah. These, these are little things where he's just trying to play a, a character, and he he, he succeeded immensely uh, as himself. I mean, even in the show, didn't he was kind of himself. So he, he knows his bread and butter. Now, I said renowned assholes like Jerry Lewis and Milton Berle. I should probably say <laughs> a, alleged renowned assholes like Jerry of Lewis. Course. <laughs> because they are indeed alleged renowned assholes. And I can't wait to get to those episodes. We're going to see some anger coming out on, on this side of the mic. The uh, worst sketch of the night uh, for me was the cigar acupuncture. Where are you sitting, Matt? Uh, my worst sketch was the untouchables. I sure. think at least cigar acupuncture uh, didn't pain me for too long, but uh, that thing just kept going. The best sketch of the night or best uh, element of the night, uh, not musically. For me, as much as I loved the uh, the Desi stuff, it, it was a it was a slow build to a great ending. But uh, I'm going to put my best bit as as actually the Gary Weiss film. That surprises me. My I, I split like I, I I'm I'm stricter with, with my split in my categories. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I consider the, the 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 closing as my favorite musical performance. So I kind of split them a little more strictly than 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 you do. That's um, fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it when when they uh, when we hit it. I said my favorite moment of the night was the tease, the Lucy tease. Yeah, uh, yeah. spoke to me on a comedic level. That uh, I was, yeah, I just I loved it. That's that's my I'm the target audience for that. The star of the night for you, Matt Desi. Yeah, nice. Brilliant. Like he lo- he enjoyed himself so much. That's what I loved to see. He was loving it. He brought the energy. Uh, I mean that that last segment is wow. And and even when he was failing, it, it was just charming to watch him have so much fun to be honest. For sure. Again with my uh my my strictness to the categories, uh I went with Ackroyd uh sounding like a broken record here, but he gave us three very different performances tonight. The psychiatrist, the uh the literary masters host, and Robert Stack's uh great Robert Stack impression. Yeah, that was really good. And he also looked super cool at the end. I don't know if you noticed him in his suit and shades with the scarf. He looked like a, a real lad about town. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll have to have a peek. Yeah, at the end when they're all just kind of jiving with uh, Desi there. I don't even think he did the conga line. I think he just kind of strolls out at the end, like, <laughs> almost like, hey, what's going on? Oh, cool. It's Desi Arnaz is playing. You know, <laughs> it's very, yeah, he looks great. Overall grade. My overall grade for this episode, you know, it's tough. I'm going to go ahead and, I mean, because there was some really weak segments, but they they weren't terrible, terrible. And there were some really high highs, though. So I guess internally, I have to let that level out. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. For me, based purely on aesthetic and how it made me feel, it was a 10. But I can't do it that way because everything would be 10s and zeros. You know, I really love someone from the old guard showing up on this. Mm. Um, And I love the enthusiasm and the joy he brought and gave. There was a lot of appearances by the writers tonight, which I always like. I laughed a lot. I loved the music. 
the uh, it was the best ending, but there it wasn't perfect. It absolutely wasn't perfect. It was too much Lucy. It was a weak weekend update. It was awfully flat. The cigar deal was flat, and the Untouchables was a bit too long. So it, it was it was a fight. It was it was it was head or heart on this one. Um, but I will go to bat and say that I'm giving this one an eight point five. It's definitely my favorite wow. episode to date. Is that our? Uh, is that your highest ranking so far? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, D gave the uh, star of the night to Lorraine Newman, who we both definitely slept on during this conversation. She did some great work tonight. True. She's probably my least favorite of the uh, Jane Gilda Lorraine. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's not to say, I mean, come on, look who she's in there with. Uh, it's not to say she's bad at all at what she does. Uh, and not to say that that's why I, I, she was just lost in this episode of just a huge personality. But um, but yeah, you're right. We slept on her. She was very competent. And certainly in hindsight, I loved it. I love her yeah. vampire thing. Yeah, yeah. She did great work. So uh, when you take our scores together, you gave it a 7. I gave it an 8.5. And D in our previous recording gave it a 7. Uh, that gives us a average of 7.5. Now, uh, compared to the IMDb, gave it a 7.2. This is actually the first time we liked an episode more than the IMDb people did. Wow. Considering who the guest host is and, and my interests and your interests, that is no surprise. You know, no, some 14-year-old who's like, I don't know who Desi Arnaz is. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Three, you know, so no. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this is the one we, we like better than the populace. Yeah, me too. So yeah, this is the ninth best episode of season one, according to IMDb scores, which again, I, I think is a reasonable expectation considering who the imdb users might be uh everybody everybody has those waves you know like it depends depending on your your favorite cast will reveal how old you are and uh what you grew up with and i'll have more to say about this in 10 years when we get to more modern times yeah yeah or especially when the sketches start ending up on youtube i have a lot to say about that so our next episode will be out in about a week it's jill clayberg uh and uh leon redbone uh, Andy Kaufman will be back, and it's the debut of Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill, I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be a, gonna be a fun episode. It's also for us. Uh, we're, we'll be welcoming a, a guest host to come in, who will be uh, providing a, a new look at things. So that should be great. So until then, we ask you to watch your step around the molten hot fire pits as we conga line around the magma here in SN Hell.